I love that passage last week in uh, Isaiah 55. Um, because in Lent, it, my uh, feeling about Lent has always been it's all about just withholding and backing off and trying to get by the, the, the month or, or the 40 days without, you know, stepping back and white-knuckling it with whatever you're giving up. And that passage in Isaiah... Uh, reminded me that there's uh, the, the purpose behind Lent is that it opens up new possibilities. It opens up poss- uh, opportunities. Um, it's trying to lead us into something that's bigger and greater than um, what we've been experiencing before. Um, it's a walk with Jesus. And uh, this year, in, in the past, I don't know, two years, I've changed my approach and try to add something that's also going to add discipline as well. I've talked to someone who decided that they're going to meditate on the passages of Jesus and think about it as uh, being there with him and walking uh, through Lent uh, with Jesus. And how do I minister to him or how do I be a friend to him? Jesus calls us friends. Uh, I think that's a great practice. But the idea is that it's meant to lead us into possibility. And we, uh, we saw that last week with Isaiah, the prophet, who says, are you thirsty? You know, come and, and take wine and and, and milk, and you don't have to pay for it. Why, why are we spending money on things that don't uh, nourish us, that don't um, give us any joy, that don't lead us anywhere? And I think that um, we do that all the time. I do that all the time. I spin my wheels on things that really don't um, do anything <laughs> to help my life. And it's amazing that, you know, how often we do that. Um, and so... <clears throat> It introduced this idea that we are moving forward, that God has something for us. It's not just about uh, pushing back and, and uh, again, white-knuckling it through the 40 days and try to get by without having our sweets or our wine or whatever we're giving up or TV time or our favorite Netflix binge series we're watching, whatever. Um, <clears throat> there's something creative going on. There's something that God is doing Within us, and um, so yesterday I was reminded of of this same theme. Um, <clears throat> I guess it wasn't yesterday; it was Friday. I had to go to the Bucks' house to uh, get something signed. Graham's our secretary, and every year we have to send up to the state um, some documents. And so I drove out there to to get that signed. And Sophie was with me. We're driving along, and we're coming back into town. <clears throat> and she says, <laughs> "She says I love this town. I love it." And I can't wait to get out. <laughs> she said, <laughs> it's both and, right? <laughs> and I said, I mean, I knew what she meant, you know, but I, I wanted to flesh that out. Like, what, what do you love about it? And she said that right when we're passing by. There's kids outside. You know, we live in town. And when we moved there, we wanted to be in town so that we can see people uh, just be in town with people. We're a little bit out of town in, in Topsom. And so she's, we're driving, she sees these kids outside playing, and it's just it's a pretty good community if you want to do that. And we, the, our kids were out on the street, um, you know, their whole lives, playing pickleball and playing basketball and riding bikes and all this sort of thing, walking around town, walking to Family Dollar, which seems to be a spirit. That's, I think that's, they picked that up for Lent, I think, is they walk to Family Dollar and buy sweets. <laughs> for 40 days, we're going to do it every day. <laughs> We will make it. <laughs> God give us strength, right? Um, and then I said, so what is it that, you know, you can't wait to get away from? And she's like, it's so small. And uh, there's nothing, you know, happening 
here. Uh, I was uh, with Matt on Friday night down in Portland, and uh, um, I, I was walking around the sidewalk, and it was Friday. You know, it's still kind of chilly, but and it was overcast, but there's just an energy. There's people out walking around. I thought, this is what Sophie wants, right? This is where she wants to be. Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's an energy. And so I, it reminded me when we, when we bought the house, when we moved to Richmond, um, <clears throat> that we, it was a hard decision, just weighing out, uh, being 20 minutes further from everything that we, we knew. Um, people in town say that Richmond's 20 minutes from everywhere. That's what it feels like. Um, <clears throat> we knew we liked the house we were moving into, but we weren't sure about a smaller school. There's less opportunity there. I mean, if if they want to play lacrosse, uh, you know, we got to switch schools. It's just not an option in Richmond. And, uh, but at the same time, you know everyone, and you know who the people are. Uh, so there was a lot of pros and cons. Um, and that reminded me of something else. Uh, I remember when we were first married, and we were uh, both in school. Uh, Lisa was going to grad school, was planning on going to grad school. I had finished grad school. And our plan was possibly to, to move to Toronto and go to the University of Toronto and um, work on um, PhDs up there. And we weren't sure what to do. And we had conversations with two of Lisa's professors. Uh, one was the religion professor. And when we talked to him and his wife, uh, the response we got was, you got to get that done now. Don't have kids. You got to get it, you know, just uh, hammer it out. It takes a long time. And just, just do that now, and because you got to put all this other stuff off. Uh, we talked with the philosophy professor, and <laughs> he said, uh, I loved it. Uh, he said, you know, uh, family's incredible as well, and uh, doing church work is great. We were trying to figure out which direction we were going to go. And he said, I guess what I would say is that everything you do has a cost to it. And uh, so, yeah, if, if you go to Toronto and you're living in the city, it's not going to be great if you're in school. To, it's not going to be a great environment. for. It's going to be harder for raising kids. There's going to be a cost to that. But you, if you put that off, there's a cost to it. And there's this idea that it was a cost. And I love that because what he stated it in terms that we got to figure out what we're going to do. we got to land the plane, right? Yeah. By the way, this is another sermon. I'm not going to land the plane for you, okay? you got to figure it out yourself. But... I loved it that that's the way he, he, he put it. Um, whereas the other professor was like, you got to do this now. Just do it, do it, do it, and get it done. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, we, en we ended up doing church work. And uh, after our uh, master's degrees, uh, moved back to Maine and, and started the church, uh, North Harbor. But it's this idea that we're moving into something new and that even that will cost us something. And that's important because I think that when we talk about resurrection, when we talk about new life, when we talk about eternal life, uh, sometimes I think that we think of it in terms of going back or we think of our, our current circumstances, but just the good stuff. <laughs> we get rid of the bad stuff. We get rid of the hurt. God will wipe away all our tears and uh, we get to keep all of the good that's going on now. Or we're moving into, we're going to, you know, make this change into town. Or we're going to, you know, buy this house that we, we've always wanted. Or take this job that we've always dreamed of. Or uh, make this uh, vocational decision. Um, and it's just going to be, uh, all the bad stuff's going to be left behind. And it, we're just left with good stuff. 
And that's not really the case. Uh, as we move into something, you know, the, the resurrection is really about what's, what's new. When Jesus uh, sends out his disciples, he's not sending them out to rebuild the kingdom of Israel as it was in its glory days under David and Solomon. It was something new. And you see that roll itself out in uh, the book of Acts. Um, it's not looking the same way. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of cost to move forward into that new. Not least of which is that non-Jewish people are included in this, in this incredible uh, plan that God has uh, for the world. And so um, we get a little bit of that um, in this passage this morning. And this is, you know, we're following the lectionary. And so today we're looking at Joshua 5. Yeah, who knew? And, but it's this incredibly small, short passage that has some really beautiful things that are played out there. And you have this transitionary, this transitional movement uh, from Israel, from the old into the new. But the new is, is something that's going to cost as well. It cost us something to move to Richmond. We were excited about it. There's a lot that we love about it. Um, we had friends a year later say, do you have, do you have buyer's remorse? And I said, no, I, we love the house. They're like, no, the town. <laughs> we said, no, we like the, the town's great. Um, <clears throat> we like the town. But there's pros and cons. Once you make that decision, there's pros and cons. So in the context of this passage, we have Israel crossing into um, <clears throat> Israel, what's now known as Israel. The Hebrew people are crossing into this land of Israel. They have spent 40 years wandering in this, what's called wandering in the wilderness. Um, and so I was thinking about that, wandering. You know, it's, when you're wandering, you're wondering how long are we going to be here. Uh, you're thinking it's the same old thing every day. Um, you hear stories, these long-winded stories of the legends, the days of old, and there's just wondering of when we will we finally get there. You know, and we all know that that feeling of uh, we don't know when this is going to end, um, that's hard to do. That's hard to you know, sit with that for a while. When, when are things going to change? And Israel's been sitting with it for 40 years. And most of the people there uh, did not, were not delivered out of Exodus or, or, or not delivered out of Egypt through the Exodus. You know, it's a new generation and uh, they haven't really been keeping uh, the things that, distinct, uh, that uh, distinguish them from other nations. They've kind of fallen into a regular routine out there in the wilderness. Um, and the wilderness, you know, that has uh, images uh, connected to it as well. There's limited resources. It's a wild place. There's strange food, strange people, you know. And Deuteronomy, long-winded speeches, right, about what's coming. Kids know this, you know. Once you grow up, you'll understand, you know, the, long, the long-winded speeches about what life will be like. Um, Deuteronomy is good. Go ahead and read it, but um, it's a long-winded speech. Um, <clears throat> And so um, they're finally realizing this promise. They're finally there. They finally are uh, signing on the dotted line. They're finally making a decision. They're packing up the truck, and they're crossing. And we get this little picture of uh, what happens when they get there. Um, and by the way, this land is spoken of as promise. This is a promise that's been there for a long time. They were in Egypt for 430 years, and then wandering for 40 years, 470 years, mm -hmm. okay? 
I mean, think about what life is like when the United States is born. 1776. And all the technological changes and all that. Okay, this is like twice, <laughs> twice as long. It's a long time. That they have not been living in um, Israel. And so they're here. This is it. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua's leading him, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. You see this all over in Scripture where something happens and they name the place after that to happen. So it's about shame being rolled away. And so there's this aspect before they enter into this new land that they're looking back. They're looking back at their past. And that's important for us to remember. Um, and we talked about that on the drive. This is why we moved here. This is why we made that decision. We know that there was a cost to it. And we weren't going to like all the aspects of it. But there was a cost to getting here. They look back and they're remembering their time as slaves. Um, or Joshua is reminding this generation that you were slaves for so many years. You know, here's what life was like. <clears throat> you know, and it reminds us that God can bring life out of death. Right? Yeah. God could bring life out of death and disgrace. You know, and we're, we're in the middle of Lent. We're in the middle of it. So keep at it. <laughs> There's opportunity. We have to remember that this practice, the spiritual practice, is bringing us an opportunity. We stick with it. We keep going. Or we walk with Christ during that time. We know how the story ends. We practice Lent every year and we walk with Jesus. I noticed our song had a lot about Jesus raising from the dead. And I was like, oh, we're not supposed to sing about that yet. But we know. We know where this is going. Um, and so it's important to go back and remember. But we know how it ends. And, um, but looking back at that time of his suffering and his going to the cross and the pain that it costs him is so important. Um, and remembering where we were. <clears throat> so we get to this verse 10, and it says, While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. So they celebrate Passover, which is a celebration of the Exodus, and it reminds us, before they get into this land, before they get into this new area, the one that they've been waiting for so long, think about something in your life. Maybe there's something happening now. Maybe it's a past, like I was sharing about, our move, or our move back to Maine, or our move to Richmond. <clears throat> that God is the focus. That God is the deliverer. It puts our focus back on what God did for our people, for us, at that time. Because... In that long-winded speech, Moses says, you're going to go to this new area. There's going to be all this food. There's going to be a new land. You're going to have wealth and riches. Don't forget. Don't forget where you came from. Because the result is you're going to start oppressing other people like you were oppressed. You'll forget. Because your focus will become on the riches of the land rather than the people in the land. And um, so they celebrate this meal and it's a it's food we could do a whole sermon series on food i think food is at the heart of so many 
important things. And it's a celebration that God is our deliverer and it sets our sights on God alone, not on the circumstances, but as God as a deliverer. Not the fact that we have all this new opportunity, not the fact that we're in this new space, not the fact that it's all about God as deliverer. God delivered us. And this food, is, it's meant to spark the imagination and wonder and remind you know, the next generation, here's what happened. It was bitter. God delivered us, and we had to get up early. We can't wait for the bread to rise. There's all this symbolism that's meant to um, bring wonder back into the story. <clears throat> the very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. I love it because this is it. This is the promise. This is where God's been leading them. 470 years, you know, the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now they're eating land. They're eating from this land of milk and honey. It's finally happened. I love that picture that they're celebrating, you know, the shame's been rolled away. The very next day, they're eating new food from this place, and they've arrived. And it says in verse 12, no manna appeared on the day. They first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. And so for those who don't know, you know limited, there's limited resources in the wilderness, and there's this manna uh, that would show up every morning, a cake-like substance that they would gather and they would eat, and there would be quail that would uh, fall from the sky, tired from perhaps flying over the, the water to that area. Um, everything was just gathered, just like from the, just scraping to get by. And they're probably sick of manna at this point. They're probably, if I never had quail or manna for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. Um, but it's this weird note. It stopped. This, this sort of time where God showed up in this special way. Um, it's not that God won't show up, but in this special way, it's not there anymore. That's a part of the past. We're moving on. And so you have this picture of this, this life that was a struggle. That <laughs> was a white-knuckle struggle for them. And they got used to it. And now they're in and there's new. There's something new. But that past and the way God showed up in that certain way is gone. And so that new costs us something. And so I want us to meditate on, like I said, I can't land this plane for you because I'm not sure what everyone's going to, where, where your mind's going to take you when we talk about what is this new thing that you feel like God is leading you towards? What is this new thing that God's trying to remind you of that he's already brought you to? What, do we, what kind of Passover meal do we need to celebrate to remember that God was our deliverer? Amen. And that it wasn't about the new circumstances. Amen. But where that leads us, and, and here's where I want to check ourselves, check myself as well, is that the new has a cost to it. It has a cost to it. The man is not there anymore. The water from the rocks is not there anymore. The quail is not there anymore. The, that meal that God would provide is not there anymore. And what they have is great. They're eating from the crops. This is a blessing. This is so good. We've finally been waiting. And this is what eternal life is in the Old Testament. You don't read much about heaven, right? right. The clouds and the angels and the cherubs. No, because eternal life is thought of in terms that you have descendants to live beyond you. 
and you have land to grow wealth. So this image of the land, they're now realizing it. They're being reminded that it is God that brings it to them. It's not their own work. God brought them there. God sustained them. But there's something that they leave behind as well. So as we approach Easter, the resurrection is not about going back to normal. We've heard a lot about that during pandemic, actually. This is a great illustration for that. Can't wait till we get back to normal. Well, how about moving forward? How about moving forward? Yeah, it's a new life. And there's aspects of the old that will not be there. And so as we continue on our journey of Lent, and as we look forward to that day where we can celebrate, we can be out here uh, first thing, first light in the morning, around a little fire and a, and a guitar, <laughs> some liturgy, or here uh, singing with a bunch of people at 10 o'clock, where is Jesus leading us? And can we take an honest look at what it's costing, what it will cost us to get there and trust that God has something for us Amen. as we move through that? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been celebrating every week uh, with a meal. Um, I think in the early church they did an actual meal. They sat around the meal and remembered Jesus, and, and now we do it more symbolically with uh, a cracker and juice. And during that Passover meal, Jesus is looking. He, they're eating the Passover meal, and he's saying, this is about me. There's something new happening here, and it will cost you. He says, See, after washing their feet, he says, go and do likewise. This is the path to blessing. I love that phrase. This is the path to blessing, serving one another. And then he goes on to serve more and more and more with his arrest and his crucifixion and his death. Um, and that's celebrated around a meal. Um, we do that uh, when we take communion. So as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion, um, I want to read this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> and I love this because this captures that idea from the old to the new. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Not returned to normal, but has begun. Something new. And all of this is a gift from God. Amen. Who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the, word, the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Amen. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. So we will take uh, communion. Um, we've got just one uh, table out back. Um, uh, Elaine will be serving communion. Uh, we can get our kids, come back and sing. We have a few songs that we'll finish up with. Um,
Songs about renewal and hope. So let's do that together. Um, you can take communion as you feel led, and then we'll uh, just come back in here and sing and join us in singing.